0: Hello and welcome to the one-stop co-op shop podcast, your one-stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome back to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. And also welcome to the one-stop co-op shop podcast. My name is Jason. Thank you so much for stopping by for this latest game chat catch up Um this man posted, uh, and I had to catch up. I had to catch up. He's, I I can truly say um, one of the really, really great friendships that I've made in this industry. we have had a chance to hang out in person live, uh, which is something that you can't always say in the pandemic and everything. Uh, but I had to have this man on. There is so much to catch up on. He is the proprietor of Hub Games. He is the creator of such things. As the Story Cubes, I got my big Story Cubes right here. Uh, for the podcast, yes, that this is what Story Cubes sound like uh, in a bag. He is the designer of games like Holding On, The Troubled Life of Billy Kerr uh, and Prisma Arena. And um, my favorite uh, of storytelling game, which is Untold Adventures Await, which operationalizes the Story Cubes. So much design stuff and creativity has come from this man, And now we're talking about transitions and changes and you know what he asked if we can get the word out about what's going on and I said you know what I got a whole show let's let's hop on and talk about it uh but uh without further ado I'm going to introduce Rory O'Connor welcome back to my show
1: hi Jason it's great to be here and you were like one of the last people from the gaming world that I saw before um COVID kicked in
0: right we had uh so we did a um you were in Brooklyn I'm from Mm -hmm. New York and we did a game day and you, were, you wanted to get people, you wanted to show people two games. You wanted to show them Prisma Arena and Adventure Mart. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know, uh, I don't know how to, uh, well, I don't know <laughs> what's going on. And I'm like, okay, I know a game store and we ended up having a really good time. And I think that was in like January, February of 2020, somewhere on there.
1: It was mid-February, yeah.
0: Mid, Mid-February, people, mid-February 2020, you know exactly <laughs> when things started. Yeah, we were getting news about it. I remember actually talking about it, going, I wonder what's going on with this mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, uh, less than a month later, we're all like, you know, everything shut down, locked down. Uh, but it was a really great time. It was really great to hang out with you. Um, so, um, yeah, so we're going to talk about hub games, right? And that's what, you know, that, that was what was the post about. That was what was on your mind. Mm-hmm. So let's just start there. I mean, let's not bury the lead. You know, we're here to talk about Hub Games, which has given us a lot of cooperative games. And, you know, that's the what we do on this channel, but just a lot of creativity in general. So just update us and, you know, lay it all out on the table. What is going on with Hub Games? So,
1: I mean, for people who don't know, like Hub Games was essentially the transition from Rory Cubes and the creativity hub and the perception of us being like an educational game company, which, kind of, as you know, that's not my thing. It's really about imagination. Right and change and so in 2017 uh 18 we transitioned to become hub games with a focus on creating games that um get kind of encourage people to think differently we'd say like you know delight challenge and surprise people Mm -hmm. and
0: very delight delight is an interesting emotion it's not an emotion we're used to and then like the hobby games because we want challenge Right, and mm-hmm. so you're coming into a space where you know a hobby gamer is expecting a certain thing, like you know, deep strategy or adventure, or whatever it is. And your your product, and you know, all every single product, has delighted, has um, inspired some kind of creativity, has come out of left field with stuff, mm-hmm. and it was some interesting experiments, mm-hmm. I'd say, in terms of gaming.
1: Yeah, so um, so essentially, it's been a tough period. We were um essentially a kind of a big company because of Roy Story Cubes, um, considering what you do for most Indie companies. And so it had been a, a struggle kind of financially keeping that going whilst trying to publish challenging, you know, games or games that tried to do something different because one of our greatest gifts and curses is we would every game we would make is different from the last one. Right. you know we don't have that kind of line of of games we're always trying to like reinvent something in, yeah. in a different way you're and, not and doing being... tiny epic you're not no.
0: doing you know xc i got that I got pandemic stacked up over here <laughs> yeah, you're not doing lame. uh you don't have your thing you're not writing a thing like you could have like mm-hmm. it could be 17 different varieties of warrior story cubes because that's a true hit mm-hmm. still uh but that wouldn't be the creativity hub or what that wouldn't be what eventually end up, what you ended up doing with the company.
1: No, no. And it doesn't kind of reflect, I think who I am as a, as a person um, of trying to kind of push the limits a little bit. Um, But it just meant it's been um, it was challenging trying to maintain a bigger team with doing quite adventurous games and, you know, heading into the pandemic, we had just released, Flip Over Frog and mm-hmm. Mega City Oceania, which were like, yes. you know, really exciting games. Completely lost out on the cons for that. And then we had Adventure Mart and Prison Arena, both visually stunning games. Um, and we don't have a huge following um, because our games kind of go out to a, like a wider audience. So it's not like they're we don't have a huge subscriber base. And so going into the pandemic was really tough um, without conventions. And um, We tried reaching out to retailers to organize events for them so they could learn. But again, everyone was just like, you know, there's so much going on and it was, right. being, it was quite stressful. Um, we tried a few different strategies and nothing kind of got us out of the kind of nosedive that we were heading into. Um, mm-hmm. And Completely it was always by case.
0: Not by your doing it all. You know, uh, one of the things I wanted to have you on for is this is a pandemic story. Like this mm-hmm. is a COVID story. There's nothing wrong with hub games, hub games. You know, they have their hits and they have the misses like any, any other company, but, you know, trying. And I always talk about that. I always talk about like, you know, do something different, you know, go out of the box. And, you know, I talk about this of culture, I talk, talk in terms of, you know, these different representational things, but like, you know, creativity should be rewarded. And what the pandemic did was you know, kind of cut off certain avenues mm-hmm. and encourage certain behavior. Like, you know, if you were doing a very light social game you could that you could do on Zoom, more power to you. If you mm-hmm. were doing something with heavy solo or, you know, something that you could do in a bubble, like with two people, more power to you. Mm-hmm. Rory was doing stuff for like families. Rory was remixing like, like certain genres and everything or trying to. And then the pandemic just, I don't know, it was almost like this was thing was designed to, cut off the kind of creativity we're looking for.
1: Well, I mean, it's interesting because I think as a creative person, the kind of rule is, I find like, I should be fairly good at solving problems as they come up, you know, and finding creative solutions. And we did try different things and they didn't work, but there is that bit of like, hmm, I should, you know, uh, i couldn't quite <laughs> this is a puzzle. My creativity <laughs> the yeah. pandemic was a puzzle <laughs> yes and well what, you, know, you the,
0: the different things were like the reaching out to the retailers and different things like that
1: yes and engaging in different kinds of um marketing strategies you know offering deals um and i think it kind of highlighted in doing so it kind of highlighted things about our our audience like who likes our games discovered some interesting things you know really about social media and instagram uh as particularly instagram where you get a lot of engagement for people saying that looks neat but there's no reference to the game or ever wanting to buy it so people would say oh yeah i've got like you know so many thousand people you know liking something and it's like yeah but did they actually (laughs) do anything about that right um Mm -hmm. and i think like
0: like in media it's like okay you can like a youtube channel it's like oh i like the youtube channel Uh, do you subscribe? Do you (laughs) Mm -hmm. contribute to (laughs) that? Yeah. I'm
1: I'm sure you're kind of well-versed in that. There's
0: a reason I don't have a Patreon. (laughs) 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 I I do not need to deal with like, okay, Oh, I love your stuff. I'm going
1: on moving on to something else. Yeah. Um, And I think I had spent, you know, myself, and Anita, my partner, we'd spent, you know, over 10 years with Rory Storgibes, being the champions for that and you know constantly putting on a you know you're kind of putting on a performance you're like okay I'm going to be demoing this game I'm going to be meeting people and I think when it got around to hub games I was a bit burnt out at that point and I just wasn't in that kind of champion marketing space I was really like I really want these games to speak for themselves and for our distributors to kind of be able to, you know, we'll put everything we can into our games, you know, the quality, the gameplay, even the price of the game. And it's okay. You know, working with our distributors to help push that. Right. And I kind of realized it, it actually kind of still needed us to really drive that. And Anita, you know, was never the fun person for the company and I was kind of at a point going, you know, I am kind of tired doing this. And it was just something we kind of never, we never quite got that um, core band of followers that we could always kind of call on. But if we were announcing a new game, we'd get support for that. And I think constantly doing something different and it never quite hitting, you know, Mm. landing with people. It was like death by a thousand cuts, I think over Mm. time. Um, So we're kind of at a point now where with, in Northern Ireland and the UK, we've had a furlough scheme which has helped us essentially keep staff employed at uh, the team. And it's the end of this month is where everybody's going to be going their separate ways, and I will be essentially um, captaining um, hub games. Um, I will be working with uh, you know external partners who still kind of look after sales, but it's essentially me in an empty office, you know, with our games how um, many
0: staff did you have when you were like but like in february of 2020 when i saw you how many staff did you have
1: uh, I, we had eight
0: mm-hmm.
1: we had eight and by and uh, what were they doing um so um so we had um kind of financial controller because um, because of rory straight keeps the company had grown quite a lot um and so we needed someone who could actually manage like a lot of transactions that were happening localizations
0: um, and partnerships and all it was it's all over yeah. the world you can get story, story basically anywhere
1: yeah um we had an office manager as well we had a project manager uh, in-house designer i uh, like graphic designer in-house kind of with michael fox in-house game designer and um community manager as well um and Anita then also as a kind of developer and overseeing the kind of division for the the business along with myself and I was doing sales and uh, kind of game design and game development uh, as well Um, so we were kind of down to four people this year sorry we also had um, Aaron who was um, essentially inventor relations and trying to keep that funnel of games going as well
0: and then slowly as the pandemic hit, you know, I, I mean, in America, we had our own um, supports mm-hmm. for businesses. They were inadequate in many ways. Uh, they, they just, we just go into this whole rant about like how we can't just like give people money. It has to have all these conditions and it has to have these, these whatever. Uh, what did uh, your uh, Scotland or Ireland?
1: Uh, Northern Ireland.
0: Northern Ireland. So what, what did uh, that area do so- to help businesses?
1: It kind of transitioned in terms of it would pay a percentage of someone's salary for the days okay. they weren't working. And then you were expected to top that up um, as well. But the idea is that, you know, they weren't meant to be working. And if they checked, if they saw email communication or anything happening on those days, you know, they checked. You could... No, they haven't yet, but that was always the, the fear kind of okay. the threat. Yeah. Right. And it, and it was massively abused by people where I've heard people were working and they discovered that their employer was claiming furlough, which is the term for that person. So I can see why the government would want to check on certain things, um, but it allowed us to, you know, give everyone some stability over that period of time. Um, and it's basically kind of been like petering out, and September is essentially when it ends mm-hmm. for people.
0: Yeah. So then you know you're trying to find all these solutions. you you know and you really you know i've met michael fox too Like, uh what was the game that we talked about because we did we did stream together at one point uh and we talked about i think his favorite game was a choir
1: yes (laughs) i've not i've not played it with him actually yeah
0: i compared a choir to a cucumber and he wanted to throw a cucumber right at my face
1: (laughs) oh yeah you can't speak badly about that game he loves it (laughs) (laughs)
0: go ahead and check the stream on we are Mm -hmm. hub games uh if you want to get caught up on the inside joke but i mean these are real people and you know uh, really great humor and a really great team and you know slowly you know just trying to you know keep keep that together Mm -hmm. you know and and just the realities of covid and the realities of the pandemic and like you know there's real people and there's real companies that are just kind of like struggling with this and i believe me hub games is not the only one there's plenty Mm -hmm. of companies you know uh so go ahead you say you about to say something
1: no well it was just like the interesting thing for me is does it like there's a stubbornness because it's we have we have eight titles in our catalog you know so it's not a huge catalog but every one of them exists for a reason you know and that's the hardest thing is just like I want people to experience these games because we've put so much into each one and having you know I very much take responsibility for everything that happens you know um but seeing that slipping that possibility slipping away yeah. is quite hard and and that was really what was driving me you know it's not about making loads of money loads of cash it's like i want to get these games into people's hands i want them to experience them because i know they're going to enjoy them when they they play them and word of mouth is like the strongest thing um i think for selling games so Yeah, that was the kind of hard thing is going, that opportunity, just the window keeps getting smaller and and smaller. I
0: think Uh, that, you know, when it comes to creative games, you need to be there. You know, like you can, if you play a game that's kind of like the same as other games and that, that not spreads. So it's like, oh, this game is like this. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I've played that. And they could just like pick that up because I, they want that game. Oh, this is the next Terraforming Mars. You know, we got a lot of that, you know, like here's Terraforming Mars, the smaller card game. And here is, mm-hmm. you know, um, these, you know, new pandemic. And we got like people just kind of like, I guess I'm generalizing a little bit too much to uh, be a little bit uncomfortable with, but I think I can generalize this much. There's like a retrenchment into the familiar,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? You know, you saying that before about like that core line, just as human beings, we, you know, especially when we're like, okay, we're locked down, I, I want something reliable, yeah. that I can kind of count on. And, you know, not the, you know, the creativity thing, you need that, you know, that interchange, you need the people there. Like I remember when we did the, the, the game demo, and you had Prisma Arena laid out, Prisma Arena being a fight, a, a fighting, a dueling game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you don't really know what it is. And it's like doing something way different than a lot of skirmish games are doing. It's much more, you know, kid friendly and family friendly, uh, you know, martial arts dojo. You know, uh, you know, I punch you in the face, but I'm going to hold you up. And
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll tell you back up afterwards.
0: And then, you know, people like we, you, that's not like a selling thing. That's not like the same old minis fest. But then people get to the table and play it. And it's like, oh, this is pretty cool. I see what I see what's going on. And that needed to happen in order for really need to happen yeah. in order for hub games to survive.
1: Yes. I think, I mean, it's interesting. And you probably had this conversation a lot, but, you know, in talking to the distributors, you know, they would talk about how, just how busy they are and how well they were doing over COVID, you know, this is before the supply issues kind of started to kick in for them. And a lot of it was, I think that people kind of going back to the familiar games, because that's what was selling like jigsaws sold massively. Yeah, a lot of yeah. classic yeah. board games sold, mm-hmm. um, and that was a challenge for us was like, it was just the worst time to have different games. You know, the fact that cons are happening again, like my, our colleague, uh, Rich Gain is at Gen Con at the moment, managing our booth um, and we've got loads of people playing combo clash, you know, because it's just such a fun game, really easy mm-hmm. to introduce to people. Um, so I'm kind of really looking forward. To, it's like, I'm really glad cons are back. I don't know how late it is for us, you know, as a, as a company. Um, But the games will be there. We'll be there. And uh, again, the fun thing is going to be introducing the games to people. Mm -hmm.
0: So then there was a, there's a stock issue, right? And you have a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think that was another part of your post where it's like, okay, we have stuff people. Mm -hmm. And so like to walk us through the logistics of what you're trying to accomplish with the stuff
1: that you have. Well, so um yeah we're we're well stocked particularly in north america for english language editions of the games you know we do have localization uh partners as well so the idea is like we know a lot of retailers are heading into christmas and um a lot of the games that they would have been their normal best um aren't going to be on the shelf you know and that's kind of what we're we're hearing so they're kind of going oh my god what am i gonna fill it with and again that's kind of part of the conversation we're trying to have is say, well, look, you know, we do have stock in, in North America of our games, you know, enough to get people through Christmas. Um, And like you said, they're all work really well as family games. Um, They have hidden depth to them as well. So they become keepers for people. Um, So we're trying to really encourage people to, you know, either make sure they've stuck or take a look at the games again, if they haven't Mm -hmm. done that, you know, and, We're always happy to um, demo on Tabletopia if people want to kind of learn about the games, because that's one of the things we found during lockdown. And one of the successful things we ran was a kind of like a roadshow where we um, virtually visited game stores and demoed games to their staff. Um, And so they love that kind of firsthand experience. And, you know, like when talking to you, you get to drop these little insights about the game, which Mm -hmm. as someone selling it then makes it, a lot easier to sell that game because now there's a connection and so i'm really big on helping stores to create like an emotional connection to our stuff um, through their interactions with hub games um, so yeah we're kind of encouraging people to talk to their if any retailers are what you know if there's gamers watching it and they're thinking about what to buy for christmas Ask your store about do they have our games in stock um if it's a retailer is to talk to their um Mm -hmm. distributor uh, because one of the things we did over um kind of lockdown was actually branch out and work and start working with more distributors in north america as well to make it easier for people to get access to our games Mm -hmm. um so we're encouraging retailers to also reach out and you know so for something like untold it's like a no-brainer if you carry story cubes you right. should absolutely have Untold sitting on the shelf beside them because right. Story Keeps just become expansions for Untold as a, and as a I, storytelling game.
0: And when you, when you said that, I'm like, you know, because you were asking, he's like, okay, can you spread the word a little bit? Okay, uh, let me spread the word here. Untold Adventures to Wait is the best story game. And I've, been, I've played basically every story game. <laughs> I, they're like, they're, uh, I just... I love them. I, every time I, I see a new one, I always come back to uh, Untold Adventures. Await. Uh, I use it in therapy. That's why I don't have it with me. It's in my therapy office. I forgot to bring it, but it was absolutely there. It would be my collection forever. It has my story cubes. that I got operationalized in it. Uh, please consider if you want a story adventure. Uh, I'm just getting my daughter into it. She's six years old. So, like, she can't quite you know like to do with the writing cuz there's a lot of writing in it but like you know I just we could do it together mm-hmm. absolutely 100 100% recommend it you're reminding me about megacity i i don't own it but it's a very very good game the dexterity style you know shooting what is it the the ship or something like that
1: um no so it's um you're basically building a future futuristic yeah. floating megacity and the dexterity comes in actually constructing the building and then having to float it across the table. So sliding the okay, yeah, construction yeah. across the table and kind of anchoring it with the rest of the growing city. Um, so the kind of cool thing about that is just the table, I don't think any other game has the same table presence as that. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's no other game I know where people watching it at conventions clap
0: catches the eyes, It catches the eyes. No, uh,
1: yeah, but they, but they actually clap. So mm-hmm. there's this moment where a breath is held as they try to deliver the you know, the building across the the water um and then there's just this gentle well played well played <laughs> uh, there's a few of those
0: that. i mean I, I find that dexterity in general like flicking yeah. like uh the re- the, re- the renegade game flick uh, flip ships uh was yes. like that because i demoed that so it's like okay people are like and, and once people get it's like a space invaders type thing so like yeah. once you defeat the final alien it's like yeah and, you it's know, a it's tough like, game yeah, it's a really, it's a really no. I, I, I demoed that thing all week and I still stink at it. <laughs> but Mega City is, uh, is absolutely one of those games that just draws the eyes. And I love dexterity for children. I really do. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've talked a lot about this. I've talked about it in terms of treatment. You know, like I use dexterity in ADHD treatment. If you want to get your kid to like kind of calm down and focus, it's not a bad way mm-hmm. to teach them to calm down and focus. Uh, And, you know, because we've talked uh, in our previous episode, we were always very much. uh, I I don't know if you have classical training in psychology, but you're very, very attuned uh, in terms of, you know, human health and human healing. You could see that in every single one of the games. I really, really, you know, know, am I a show for this? Why not? Sure, why not? I'll be a show for Rory, uh, for Rory uh, and Hub Games. Buy his stuff, people. <laughs> you know, help this man out through uh, you know, the, the 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 waters of COVID and all that kind of thing. Help everybody out. Help the local people out. Absolutely, mm-hmm. but uh, this is my chance to focus on this. I really do believe in what Rory's doing.
1: It, it's funny, as an Irish person, it's like myself and Michael would joke when we're at conventions. Like, it's quite hard for us to kind of go, "Hey, look at us. We're awesome. Yeah. Look at our games. We're awesome." <laughs> You know, and I'm going, God, that's right. really come back to bite us <laughs> during COVID. <laughs> what do they really uh, think? <laughs> this, this is just a kind of a side thing, but I think it's really interesting in talking about dexterity games. Um, because quite often, like, if you look at reviews of dexterity games, the, the comment is usually, it's a good game, despite, you know, I really enjoyed it, despite it being a dexterity game. Right. And
0: I'm surprised I, I, it was so good for a dexterity yeah, game. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I, I can't remember if we had this conversation, but I kind of realized, like, people tend to celebrate like using their minds to yes. be effective at a game, right? And, yes. and the The, the
0: intellectual is, part of their minds is yeah. the solving of problems. Yes.
1: And somehow mm-hmm. the assumption is I have developed my intellect and I'm getting to showcase it now by how well I play this game. And I kind of realized, you know what? I spent my whole life developing these. Like, so I'm pretty good at dexterity games because I've spent time developing my eye hand coordination. You know, why is that somehow less in the gaming space? than um, the intellect and I think that comes back to again stuff we've talked about is like play is the thing for me Mm. you know it's the power of what happens when you play the discoveries you make the you know the insights and even just the being in the moment of of playing and I think dexterity games really allow for that and and they allow for a different kind of gamer to enjoy it Um, and it really frustrates me oh you know (laughs) I, I think what, you're,
0: what we're talking around is gatekeeping, mm-hmm. right? Or is, is in in a way, it's like, okay, we're talking about like staying, you know, how do you run your game company? And I do have a couple of people who do run game companies who watch my show. Thank you very much. You know mm-hmm. who you are. And it's like, okay, they're all kind of, you know, thinking about it and how to do it. And, we're, you know, this is a very great object lesson in the issue of like the hobby gamer, the hobby gamer um, with money to spend. And that get loyal, and that gets loyal to products, right? Mm -hmm. And if you have it, great. (laughs) And it tends to be uh, folks that want that intellectual challenge, who um, they they don't speak well of luck, quote unquote, in (laughs) (laughs) game. This game is too lucky, or whatever it is. Uh, They don't speak well of dexterity, or just or games that just kind of like come at play in other ways. Uh, It has to be that has to have that. What's the mechanisms? What's mm-hmm. the gameplay, you know, you could give the high level pitch, but then it always comes back to what's the mechanisms, what's the gameplay. Mm-hmm. when you have these kickstarters because Prisma Arena was kickstarted, what's the mm-hmm. mechanisms, what's the gameplay, it's like that's not that kind of experience. And, you know, so I had to be kind of good. So, you know, find another area. But like, when it comes to quote unquote, the hobby gamer, that it, it is kind of a gate, we mm-hmm. do kind of like close ourselves off a little bit. And, you know, I mean, we could say bad or wrong, but like, that's the reality. And that's the and
1: Yeah. And I think it's, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. And I think the challenge is that first we're trying to bring in new gamers. So that's why right. we're designing different things. And the very act of doing that means it doesn't fit within that core right. hobby. And, you know, a lot of games do really well if they are picked up by the core gamers because they become champions and they help kind of like right. amplify the message that's going out. And so I think one of the things we kind of struggled with, and you know, I don't want to be, I, I, I'm really, I sound like I'm kind of complaining or whatever, but I think the challenge is you're kind of like waving your flag and saying, hey, we're going over this way, you know, who wants to come with us? And then you look back and you realize, yeah, oh, no, okay. on, there's, only, there's only a handful <laughs> of people coming. Um, right. Because
0: there's that snapback, right? There's that snapback of like, well, this is what I want and this is what I am. And there's not. And to be clear, to not complain, there's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. how, the, how with like the wanting deep meaty strategy or whatever it is, like gameplay mechanism. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. It's just, just, you know, to be cognizant of like if we want to cultivate a healthy gaming garden, right? If we think of it ecologically, yeah. and I, I try to think of these things ecologically. It's like there's nothing wrong with the thing. You know, but I think Rory and I are on the same page. While we get along, that we're trying to think ecologically here. It's like, okay, this is good. This is one crop is good. Don't tell the Irish about one crop. <laughs> They'll tell you all about <laughs> reliance on one crop us. and what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but like you, you diversify your crops. Like you, diver- mm-hmm. you diversify what counts as a satisfying experience. If you regard one type of experience, that cognitive challenge experience as normal then that has effects. Mm-hmm. And so and, like, you know, if someone like Rory is waving his flag, there's fewer and fewer people that are willing to kind of follow that flag.
1: And I, I think the last kind of year or so has been kind of really interesting to reflect up, upon as well, because like I, I really like collectible card games. There's something about that kind of collecting and building a deck. I don't have enough time to, to do it, but I enjoy the, the developing something and seeing it, it play out which I don't put into my own, the games I design. And I realized, you know, during COVID there were certain games I was kind of falling back into going, yeah. these are my comfort games. Right. It doesn't make other games good or bad. They're just like, Oh, this is my default where I feel comfortable. Um, and I think the more we can encourage that for people to kind of go, well, this is kind of my space that I enjoy being in. It doesn't disqualify or you know negate other sure. games. And you know, and I, and I kind of see it with reviewers as well, that sometimes their wording is like, this is not a good game, rather than this is not a game for me, you know, which is a different kind of experience. Mm-hmm. And, as, and I guess as reviewers, you know, I think the way I think about it, we're often looking for uh, confirmation, like one way or the other, like either should I bother with this game or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and so if someone makes even like a flippant comment and I've seen it happen so many times, just like this side little comment where someone says, Oh, thanks for saying that. I don't need to worry about that game now. And mm-hmm. you're like, Whoa, wait, you got it wrong. First of all, <laughs> you know, right. in terms of the interpretation, but because it's stated like fact, it, um it gives people that permission to go, Oh, I don't need to worry about that game anymore because there's all this other stuff on my, my radar. And I think the more we can kind of encourage people to say, you know, maybe this is not for me, but this is who I would think it's, it's for, or to be mindful that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's other people playing games who enjoy things uh, like different experiences. Um, and sometimes just coming back to uh, an earlier point about kind of randomness in games. Sure. This is what I'm kind of really interested in because we incorporated it into holding on because the nature of the subject matter of someone dying, it's like, you can't, you can't like plan for how and when the person's going to die. Like there has to be an element of uncertainty in -hmm. that. And I've been uh, reading a book um, called the arrival, which is a graphic novel uh, about basically being an immigrant. And I thought, Mm Hmm, "Hmm, if I was to make a game around that, that has to be completely random, like, or full of uncertainty because that's what the immigrants experience is. It's like there is the, the, The ground is constantly shifting underneath. The rules are constantly changing Mm -hmm. as you do that. So if you want to capture that experience, you have to bake randomness into that. Um, And I think if you don't, you're doing a disservice to that experience of what you're trying to to create. So I think it's really important to know know, when different mechanics are actually really vital to capturing a gameplay Mm -hmm. experience.
0: And then the, speaking of holding on, I got it right here. Mm. Uh, that was the thing that held. And I, I'll be, I am, you know, totally uh, transparent. It held me back to mm. that, like, you know, because we don't have to go into the whole thing. We're a replacement game. we try trying to keep a person alive by doing actions. And then you're eventually, you're kind of, you well, you can probably explain it better than I can. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 talk about that. Sure, like because we're talking about the randomness and the the expectations of gamers and all that kind of thing. So let's talk let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, and and I I think it'd be interesting because it it will hopefully also convey some of our thinking, like what we're trying to achieve sure, sure. as well. So in in holding on, you are it's a cooperative game. Um, your are nurses caring for a patient who's been rushed in to the hospital, and you've been told he's got he's had a heart attack on a flight from. Um, Australia to London he's given days to live just look after him please so it's essentially it's kind of like a worker allocation game Uh, it's cooperative you're sending people to cover shifts and you're deciding um, whether to provide um, what we call medical care which will keep Billy alive longer so slow his decline versus palliative care which um, may cause him to deteriorate but also it's like caring for his uh, emotional and mental state um, whilst he's dying. And in doing so, he begins to share um, kind of memories and experiences with you of his life. And the point of the game is you get drawn into his story (coughs) of um, essentially his past and three regrets that are keeping him holding on. Um, And we designed the game because we wanted to show a game compact and emotional punch. There is a randomness because you have a deck of um, kind of patient cards that are three or revealed for each day and you have to assign people to deal with them. The cards themselves are, are kind of balanced, you know, in terms of how <clears throat> this kind of stats are spread out acro- across them. Um, but um, it, like it, it's challenging because you can kind of be buy by an event that that comes up um, and you can get you can kind of get an unlucky streak with it if you get if you get hit early with maybe negative cards you know he drops quite quickly or more likely you don't get to talk to billy um which is a crucial part of the the game
0: talk to billy quote-unquote being memory memory cards i think
1: yeah so gaining um so when you provide palliative care you gain partial memories which are kind of blurred pictures of billy's life you'll see him at different ages um and they all excuse me they all um form a a 30 card tableau um to, to kind of tell the story of his life but the first ones you get are blurred and quite often the kind of um the scenarios in the game require you to get clear memories to see exactly what was going on in his life and, and learn that story from him um, <clears throat> and so you have to get days where Billy is um stable in order to inquire about those kind of memories on, on the timeline and so they're the crucial bit where sometimes they don't always come out the way you want, or you kind of realize, you know what, towards the end, you hit a point where it's like, we just can't win Mm -hmm. this. And at the time we really tried to figure out, You know, I'm very much about not having players get frustrated in a game that is always something they could do. And I think just with that at the time, it was quite challenging to go, how do we stay true to the fact that like you can't gain life and death, right? And if people are coming to it with that notion.
0: That's exactly what (laughs) we we can't, we we can't,
1: we can't bend to that. Now, you know, I mean,
0: the other thing is it's campaign game. So, you know, you don't secede at a scenario, then you got to play the scenario. So then, you know, and the worst, one of the worst, most frustrating things for a player is I could not help that win mm -hmm. because the cards were against me. And it is like you know the mm-hmm. the, the blurred memories were cards and the clear memories were cards. So you have to dig out those clear memories with their actions, mm-hmm. and you might not. You might not get the clear memories that you need. You just mm-hmm. might not. No matter what you did, because it just you know it depends on the shuffle of yeah. the deck, and that that became very tough. Mm-hmm. And so now that the now that you were talking, it was intentional in the sense that like you know you want to share the message that we can't gain life and death.
1: Yes, but I also get it's a play experience, so like and i i do very much listen to feedback like i don't go oh they don't know what they're talking about i'm like "Mm, this is kind of really interesting because and this is the core thing i think about particularly for me when i'm designing something i design it to be played right um and i want as many people as possible to play that game so if there's something stopping people from having this experience i'm like i need to do something about this you know uh, because i want to reach that wider audience um, cause again, it's very easy to kind of, um, sell something to what I would consider like the low hanging fruit. So they're already invested in an idea or a way of thinking. It's easy to sell something to that audience. It's like, how do we get people who wouldn't necessarily think about this, have that experience and have that kind of like, huh, moment of right. discovery. So, you know, since the game came out, we've, we changed one thing in the rule book, which you can get on, um, BGG. We revised it where you can carry clear memories through from day to day um oh, so okay. previously you couldn't if, if you couldn't play it it got discarded and right. went back in um and then over kind of um the winter we were actually um we really want to make holding on to like i have the story mm-hmm. kind of uh mapped out but it's like i'm concerned because you know holding on didn't go down quite as well as I I hope because of those Mm -hmm. reviews criticizing that so I'm like do I want to invest this time in doing you know a two but something one of the things we learned um and we were experimenting with holding on the uh life of Billy Kerr was um between games to be able to hold on to a clear memory um so each time you if you lose you get to hold the clear memory Going into the next one so you kind of know what it is you need to hold on to and it basically speeds up the next game you know so for each successive loss in that scenario you get to keep an extra clear memory going into the next one so you're kind of still expected to repeat it um but even that one card can make a huge difference in terms of Mm because you get that down straight away and you're like okay that one's done um there's less we have to work towards Mm -hmm. for that game um And like looking at the future versions of it, I think we would do it where you actually just play through, I think the goal would be seven scenarios. So we'd make the game a little bit shorter. Mm -hmm. Um, And no matter what happens, you would carry through to the next scenario. And I think Mm -hmm. we had worked out there would be like seven possible endings based on it. Because Mm -hmm. again, the really interesting thing was like some players, for them, victory is saving the character right so the question is well what does saving mean right you know so the spectrum is well we kept them alive and it's like yeah but did they come to terms with their regrets so did you really help them you know versus then if they die and come to terms with their but they had the chance to come to terms with their regrets before they pass away
0: Mm -hmm.
1: is that winning as well you know and i think that's something we would try and incorporate into a a future one um but yeah, it's almost like I kind of want to go back and I'm always kind of going, how can we kind of like improve on right. what was there? Because we have learned things from it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still really interesting. It's it's actually people outside of the gaming space are usually the ones who are really enjoying holding on mm-hmm. because it's not the stuff that naturally fits, you know, because it isn't yeah. that kind of intellectual game it's a different kind of experience
0: in the hobby game gate right Mm. we just we like our agency we like our decisions to quote unquote mean something Mm -hmm. and we like our puzzle to pay off like i'm a solo gamer i talk about puzzle to pay off and like you know the higher that is the more successful the more beloved, like the, the you know, Mage Knight and Spirit Island, the two biggest solo game, solo games right now, we always voted, number one, mm-hmm. the puzzle to payoff ratio was super high. <laughs> you're going to sit there for hours puzzling your turn and then you get this big effect at the end. That's what mm-hmm. we love. And, you know, you're, you're talking cooperative. So I think in cooperative, you're talking to uh, a group that is, you know, at cooperatives and euros, that kind of thing. Like, you know, the puzzle, mm-hmm. we love our puzzle. And so you're talking in this kind of like, you're not talking that in those terms at all, not mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> and even with this experience, you know, even with the experience, like, well, this, I mean, th- let's just give the people what they want. You know, uh, it, uh, if this is what they're saying, they, what they want, let me just give it to them. You're still kind of like, mm. <laughs> holding on to that creative piece where it's like, I'm trying to evoke experiences and I'm trying to like kind of read different things. Yeah.
1: Like I suppose going back, um, like I never set out to be a game designer you know i Roy story cubes was a creative thinking tool that i had developed for use with uh, essentially in the world of kind of creative thinking and coaching and problem solving and it took on a life of its own and that's the really interesting thing because at the time i was having people like myself and Anita, we had people buying from our website on paypal you know and shipping the game abroad distributors and retailers were kind of like really like it's you know, we were selling it for 12 pounds. So like $15. Mm And they're like, really, people are buying this and it's in the small box and there's no, there's no real rules to the game and you don't really win the game. Mm -hmm. They're like, no, this doesn't like, this doesn't fit our model of what a game should be. And I, we were like, okay, but like we sold 2000 copies from our website with little or no marketing. I think there's, you know, there's something here that people like, so I'm kind of attuned to, you know, it's a hard one figuring out, you know, when someone says, I don't think this will work that you go, uh, you just don't realize it yet mm-hmm. versus maybe they are right. You know, <laughs> and, and you kind of have to keep, you know, pushing at that edge to see, um, do you expand that game space by suddenly uh, people go, Oh, actually there is room for this type of gameplay mm-hmm. um, or else you go, no, you're right. Okay. <laughs> I'll go somewhere else <laughs> and try.
0: It's art, not a science, my friend.
1: No,
0: no, definitely not. Okay, so then, you know, I'm glad this has been so, I believe, I didn't even anticipate getting into the discussion of creativity and centrality in the gaming space and gates and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But, you know, this is what happens when we, (laughs) this is why I get along with this man so much. Mm. Um, But let's, we'll, you know, now that as we're closing the conversation, let's bring it back to Hub, right? So, like, you Mm. have all this stock and, you know, you're you're trying the best you can. And this is part of the reason for the podcast, just, you know, distributors and people who are buying direct or people who want like something different for their families, you know, thank goodness in certain areas of the world, you know, families are starting to get together a little bit. So Mm -hmm. let's try to get Mega City Oceania and some of these other games on your table. Um, So that's definitely one part of the conversation. Um, And then with hub in particular, it's just you at this point, but is Mm -hmm. there a, like we were talking before the call, there's a big unknown. Theirs. i mean is what's i mean how are you mentally painting that unknown field at this point what could be the future
1: what are you looking at um so kind of for me it's there's a couple of options one is i actually just stepped back from gaming completely um mm. you've probably seen on my social media i've been kind of kayaking i've always yes. enjoyed walking
0: make me jealous yeah so you know <laughs> i'm in suburban connecticut i don't have any <laughs> of that stuff near here
1: <laughs> um that's been a big uphill climb for me getting over like a fear of drowning Mm -hmm. um you know to get that so that was kind of a real celebration for me to do that um and apparently have a you know people think I'm having a midlife uh crisis because I've also been learning skateboarding but it's so I can actually hang out with my daughters more because they're kind of enjoying that um so I either kind of just take sabbatical do nothing in that in that game space for a while um because I think we we're talking before i came on i really enjoy play is the thing for me and using play as a way to get people to think differently is my thing it's not just entertainment like mm. it, there has to be more than entertainment to what i'm doing so one question is like mm, do i stay in the board game space like is that the best use for th- th- those skills i mean i love it and i love the people that i've met in it so that's quite hard um I could also, so one would be to just move away from it. The other would be to uh, kind of develop, like, I guess, solo projects and maybe work with um, either through hub games. <laughs> I can't even bring myself to say it, like run a Kickstarter, but basically figure out a way to self-publish a game. Right. Um, or it, w- it would be basically to pitch Rory O'Connor games to other publishers as well, Um the, I'm still holding on to like the seed of uh, the Phoenix rising. So, you know, because um, I describe as hub games as being a kind of a plane that was in a nosedive and, you know, we we're trying to soften the landing. And the question is whether we have managed to get some air again, you know, enough to kind of work at the size that fits the kind of games we're creating. Cause you know, we're creating indie games. We shouldn't be a big company. And I think, what I've had to kind of, you know, realize is you know that was the case, and that we did have to reduce the the team size. So it, it may be a case of building that back up over time, but it's uh, that that's a hard yeah. You can't you know, be married to, to that. You yeah. can't be
0: married to that. Can't be like the goal is to rebuild the team. It it might be that because because of what we're talking about. Yeah, you know, because of the you know, Gen Con is happening as we're recording this. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's like, some people are happy to be there, but then other people are like, Oh my God, that I can't do, it. <laughs> this, yeah. you know? So there's this vague hesitance. So like, and, you know, Roy O'Connor's games need to be played on a table. You can't mm-hmm. just hear about it. You can't just hear, you have to play these games at the table in order to really get in there. And that's, there's still a fraughtness around that. So like, as long as there is a fraughtness, there's a big shrug when it comes to, you know, a, a, a company like hub games. And I love the fact that you talked about indie. like a friend of mine, Travis Hill, also Mm -hmm. uh, makes these indie weirdo games that they aren't meant to sell. They're just meant to be be creative expressions. And Mm -hmm. I love that. That's so beautiful. It just, you know, putting that in the bloodstream and, you know, he isn't making money off of it. He's doing his own thing. Like you're trying to make this into a, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: a, you know, something that you can get income from. And that's so tough. Mm -hmm you know, so, uh, you know, just exploring that space. And, you know, so we can't be dedicated to like, we're going to build the thing back up again. I don't don't know what's going to happen. That's exciting, I guess.
1: (laughs) I, I think no matter what happens, I'll keep creating playful experiences. You know, there are some ideas being kind of kicked around at the moment, which if they come to fruition would be quite kind of interesting. But again, I'm having to detach myself and say, you know, go back to kind of being a gamer, I guess, and just enjoying playing games and not necessarily trying to, you know, sell and promote them. But I will be at Essen, you know, and I will okay. be on our booth. Um, and I'm really looking forward to kind of connecting with people there because that's, it's weird. I love um, introducing people to games. Now, even if they're not my own stuff, like we've been selling off, as I was saying, we've, we're selling off our kind of uh, library of games at the moment as we mm. kind of downsize. And I love the idea of going like, okay, tell me, who are you are playing with? Like, you know, what's the time scale? You know, what kind of games right, do you yeah. And then I'm like, ooh, okay, <laughs> let me go find you the game that, you know, <laughs> you enjoy. And I, and I love pairing people up with games that I think they'll enjoy. Um, so I love that in-person kind of, uh, yeah, interaction and, and talking about games with people.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Hub Games still moves on. It's just reaching a different phase and we don't know mm-hmm. what's, what's happening with it. But, you know, you're a creative person and you're, I love the fact that like, you know, you're so dedicated to creating play experiences. You have this great sense of who you are and who knows, like that might flower in our space. I hope it does. If it doesn't, it's something is going to happen. So that's really, really Mm -hmm. good news. So like, we wanted to end this off on a really
1: like positive note
0: because something, we don't know what it looks like, but something will happen.
1: Yeah. It's a weird thing of like, it's creating space for something to uh, like, I always say, what is, what's trying to emerge. So it's not about what I'm trying to make happen, but it's like, what is life calling for? And right. we've done that a lot when we find ourselves stuck or pushing up against the brick wall. So this is kind of a case of going, okay, I'm going to just like see what is trying to emerge and pay attention to that. And then it's like try and catch that wave whenever it arrives.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, Rory Connor. <laughs> uh, you see him at Essen and uh, buy his games and support yes. his and support his uh, all the things that he's trying to do uh we kind of welcome uh, thank you for coming on to the show
1: it's been a pleasure and yeah i love whenever we get to hang out and talk it's uh always recharging
0: always interesting Hello? we love mm-hmm. we keep it interesting here on shelf stories we don't just do the same old thing on shelf yeah. stories either. oh no
1: i know i've, I've been following <laughs> oh thank you so much
0: <laughs> <laughs> i i you hear you hear i hear you talking about you know the same old thing and i'm like yes <laughs> not the same old thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: if you can change your mind you can change the world people so until next time later everybody take care thanks for joining us again for the one-stop co-op shop podcast